this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. This week we are reflecting on my conversation with the legendary Teresa Swinson. Let's jump into the intro and then we'll get into my thoughts and favorite bits, bit of behind the scenes, etc. etc. Let's go. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviors. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risk What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranded Safety. Rebranded Safety is a YouTube channel and podcast doing exactly what it says on the tin. We're here to change that perception of health and safety. So, if you're new here, hit that subscribe button, hit that follow button, whatever button it is on whatever platform you're looking at. That looks like it does something good. Let's get into my notes then. What did you think about the chat with Teresa? I oh, I just love that woman. Like, you know, pretty much all of these reflection chats are mostly me fanboying. Excuse me, I'm going to have a swig of coffee. Very dry throat lately. Yeah, mostly I'm just kind of fanboying. But with Teresa, I 100% am fanboying. And there's, here's the point of how much I think that Teresa is a freaking legend. Is I finished that chat and... Around that, for a long time, I have been debating getting a mentor, a coach, or something around those lines. Didn't really know how to do that, what it looked like, had a look at the IOSH thing, and I was just like, there was no one really jumping out at me, and I just, I got bored of it, and I just stopped for ages, but it's always been there in the back of my head, and then I thought, do you know what? I'm just going to pick the people that I would like to be mentored or coached by. And I thought about like, who have I spoken to on a podcast or spoken to in passing or engaged with on social media, etc, etc, who I absolutely, you know, just love and respect and just, just ugh, would love to learn from them and, and so on and so forth. And Teresa was like the first name that came to my head like 100% so dropped her a message saying can we talk about coaching uh, she suggests and boom she's my coach that was it easy peasy I'm gonna do a video on how to get a coach and pick a coach or, or a mentor and stuff like that but essentially I've just given the video away that is my top tip find somebody that you like find someone that so that you think wow I really respect that person I really love how they talk I feel like I click with them I love what they're doing I love their their kind of why and what they do and so they don't judge it on oh they're shattered professional and you know they've worked this many years and now ahead of like that stuff's all superficial like pick somebody that that, that you want to learn from that you look at and go yeah i can learn from that person um so i did 
and Teresa was one of them, uh, and picked one other, who was Ruth Denyer. So both women, interestingly. Um, but yeah, that was how I kind of, that's how I kind of did it. So, and that wasn't too long after this chat, um, and now me and Teresa chat, like, all the time. So, that is how much of a legend I think Teresa is. She is my coach. There you go. So, let's get into it. This is my notes. Firstly, hopefully you've noticed that the audio is better now because I got myself a Rodecaster Pro. Those of you that don't know what that is or are not podcast geeks don't really care, but it's kind of like this really funky looking mix and desk thing. But it also acts as an interface, which basically turns the cable that comes out of my microphone into a USB, which means puts it into a computer. In its simplest form, that is what it does, right? Now, what I didn't realise in my naivete of starting this podcast is the quality of that interface actually makes quite a big difference. Um, and this ongoing problem I've been having seemed to have been partly due to this interface that I was struggling. When I, I had it pretty much nailed in the last office, moved office and pretty much struggled since I've moved to kind of get it to work. So I don't know what went wrong. I'm not a audio technician or anything or a sound engineer, so... I didn't know enough about it, but got this Rodecaster Pro, and damn, it's good. Damn, it's good. So hopefully you're not hearing any more distortion or any more peaking like you were in the chat with Teresa. So that's the first editorial note. The second editorial note is I'll, I'll kind of talk about why I left the first 20 minutes to half an hour of the podcast in where we're just chatting. And there's some bits I cut out because it was either not relevant or boring or it was, you know, some of you might think the whole thing is boring, but you know, some things are not relevant or we talk about things that I thought, nah, might as well just take that out. But why in general do I leave these beginning chats in? So basically, if you come into the podcast, normally it's recorded straight away or I press record pretty early on. And then we normally get to a point where I say, right, you want to give yourself an introduction and um and then we'll get chatting about the subject that we wanted to talk about sometimes we don't even do that sometimes we have like what i call emergent kind of interviews which is what we have retrieval where we had no pre-planned subject that we wanted to talk about we just said hey let's chat and uh, got on a call and press record and and i leave those early bits in those general chit chats in for a couple of reasons one is because I like this podcast as in as authentic and as unedited as possible. So I want you to feel like you're a fly in the wall or even better. I want you to feel like you're in the conversation with me and this person. And I, and I personally feel like that is how you do it by leaving the fact that my phone just went off and you probably heard it leaving those things in leaving the dog barking i cut the bit out of, a little bit out of that because i went downstairs and you didn't want to hear me just shouting at the dog from downstairs um so i kind of cut don't cut those things out because i want it to be like real authentic and honest and i want you to feel like you're there in the room with us and, and that's my kind of tactic around that I feel like Joe Rogan does it much better, well, obviously, because he's Joe Rogan, but that's that kind of feel. That's what I'm trying to get here, like real authentic and natural kind of feel. So that's why I put them in. Another reason for it is 
I like you to be able to get an insight into who these people really are. So especially like the big academics that you really see as them delivering a special keynote or a book or something like that. If you get anyone like that on, especially those people, I want to leave the bit where they're talking about how they've just fed their dog or how they fell over on a dog walk or how it's snowing there or how they hate the snow and they love the sun or something like that. Like the, the real human now, I want you to be able to feel like you know the person a little bit better when you come away from these conversations. And I feel like those introductory kind of small talk is a good way of doing that. So that's another reason why I leave them in. But let's get down to the truth of it. I can't be asked to edit it out. I mean, that's the truth. Let's, let's not let's not beat around the bush here. I just can't be asked. No, that is that is obviously one thing. It is easier to leave it in. That's not the main reason, uh, but it is easier to leave it in. And you know, don't like it, then offer to edit a podcast free of charge for me, and you can turn it into whatever you want. I would still leave you tell you to leave that stuff in anyway. So let's have a look. What have we got here? I can't imagine what it's like. I've literally just edited it and I've still, I've still got to read my notes. What's wrong with me? Can't imagine what it's like to Oh, God, yeah. Trees of story. Like, I just, I feel for the professionals that have kind of gone through that natural, you know, people like Trees or people like John Green, you know, have been in the game for a long time. They've been through that natural progression of going from whatever traditional real traditional safety looked like you know then going into behavior based safety and then going into something else and into something else and into something else i feel like that must have been just like stressful for anyone but imagine doing it off the back of like a serious incident or in Trevor's case a couple of serious incidents having that feeling like you have it under control and then receiving a phone call or someone walking in your office or getting an email saying this has happened it's every safety professional it's worst nightmare it's the time that you feel like you've failed and it's the time that everyone is looking at you inherently inherently they are looking at you because this is your time to react and 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 kind of learn from that and investigate or whatever you want to call it so everyone is looking at you in that moment but in that same moment you probably feel like you've failed and i just love the way Teresa kind of has in her kind of why it's to she doesn't want another manager to feel like she she did like she failed somebody else and i just i just love how honest she is and i love that she's gone through that and maybe anyone would you, you would not be able to say anything negative against somebody that went through something like that and decided to leave safety. Like you couldn't judge someone that made that decision. That would be ultimately fair and reasonable for them to leave after going through something like that. But Trees has decided to take it upon herself to, you know, educate what what was it hundred thousand. No, sorry, a thousand people by 2030, and now she's had to up it to 30,000 people to kind of help people not go through what she's been through. I just, I just love it. It really resonates with me, and 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 how she's been so resilient to get through, get through that, and then just think, right, crack on. Let's try and help people. 
I just love it. She's an amazing woman. Really amazing woman. And I think that ultimately is what just makes her so impressive. She has her why, to use Simon Sinek's kind of word, absolutely nailed down. She knows it. She wakes up. It's like it's tattooed on her forehead. So when she wakes up in the morning, she looks in the mirror and that is her why. There is no deviation from that whatsoever. Which is kind of similar to what we heard from Simon Casson over week about having that ethics framework. So we all working towards the same value, the same ethics framework, the same ethical responsibility, whatever you want to call it, whatever it looks like. It's essentially our why. Is our why to be compliant? Is our why to make sure that nobody dies at work? Is our why to be that no one ever gets any form of hurt at work? I don't know, you know? And we need to have these conversations, I think. I think everybody's probably on the same page. We don't want anyone to die at work. But how far do we go with that? Do we Should we have an ethics framework like Simon talks about that helps us through those difficult conversations and gives us the 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 the, um, the tram line so to speak to work within um but just i just i just look at trees and i just go you have got this like she knows what she's doing and she knows why she's doing it and i just love it i absolutely love it told you i'd be fanboy in 13 minutes in total fanboy normalization deviation Normalization deviation, normal T deal deviation. I've, I've got my, in my notes normalization deviation. I did a bit of checking on that. Dawn, Dawn, Dawn Vaughan, Diane Vaughan is kind of noted on Google search around it, and essentially it's it's not no longer feeling um, like what's wrong when something's kind of deviated from the norm. So it's not realizing you've deviated and you're not feeling wrong anymore. I feel like. Like normalization, deviation, normality, deviation, whatever you want to call it, could essentially be a good thing or a bad thing. Um, you know, you could deviate from normal and that actually be a new innovation and you've not realized it. But that phrase means that you, or how I've interpreted it, it essentially means how you haven't realized. So we came on this, this kind of phrase whilst we were talking about some conversations I've had, social media, so on. On people that are kind of going, oh my god, yeah, we're, we're being so much more efficient and we've got less people at work, so let's just not bring loads of people back, let's make loads of people redundant. But actually, we're operating in a state of resilience at the moment, and resilience is not sustainable. Re- resilience is a temporary state. Resilience is something where you go, stretch, 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 and back to relax. And stretch, 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 and back to relax. Yeah, it's kind of you would constantly be stretching your muscles because when we're stretching and straining our muscles, that's a state of resilience. Or, and the more we do it, and the more gradually we we nurse it, and then recover and stretch it and recover and nurse it and so on, we become more resilient. But staying in a state of resilience is not resilience. It's just a constant state of stress, which is terrible for anything, for our mental health, for our physical health, for a business. A constant state of stress is a bad thing. So I hope that we, and we were both kind of talking around that, and I, and I kind of reiterate the message, but I hope that we we, we, we come out of COVID not going, oh, well, look how efficient we are. You're not being efficient. You're just in a state of resilience. So now's the time to thank your staff. And talking of thanking people, I'd kind of reiterate what, what was said in the podcast. 
you know, in England, if you're listening in England, we are, as I'm recording this, which is about two weeks ahead of when it will come out, it, we, we, we're, we're still mid, mid-COVID. We're still mid-global pandemic. Everyone else around the world seems to be coming out of this pretty well. We, we seem to be struggling in the UK. Um, and I think it needs to be said again that the carers, the cleaners, the bus drivers, the Sainsbury's workers, the Tesco workers, the Asda workers, the Morrison's workers, and all the people, manufacturing, construction, all the people that have worked through this to keep the economies going, to make sure we have what we need to have, the Amazon delivery drivers, Jesus Christ, I dread to think what my mental health would be like if I didn't have the Amazon delivery driver. Like, damn, I've needed some retail therapy through this this COVID pandemic, and that person has saved my life so i think we just need to be more grateful to those people and if anyone in your family is listening that to this anyone in your family i'm assuming those people don't listen to the podcast i'm assuming the people that listen to this are are safety professionals mostly and maybe a couple of senior managers or managers or whatever right people that want to be safety professionals but if anyone is listening and they are those kind of frontline workers then thank you from the bottom of my heart thank you oh, music like timed out there how how like dramatic was that it was like perfectly timed so that's my kind of piece said there i am very grateful to those people let's talk about the arguments between safety one and safety two right Teresa said it all she said it all right the arguments are demanding too much attention and too much time and i'll and i'll be honest with you this is the second to last reflection we will do on this miniseries and once we get out of this miniseries we into the new structure and whilst i'm looking forward to that and that that is one of maybe the reasons why i'm looking forward to this miniseries being over i'm actually looking forward to this miniseries being over because one we're just talking about the same things over and over again now and two it's not making any difference to some some people. There's some people that I've really tried to embrace a real kind of staunch safety one, a staunch safety two crusaders and all the, you know, it's not making any difference. Yes, this whole mini series is probably sided on supporting a, a more safety two approach in the future because I genuinely do support that approach. But I support that approach in collaboration with safety one, exactly the same as what Trito is saying. And it's exactly the same as what Kevin was saying. Kevin compared it to a phone update. Adam John says we stand on the shoulder of giants. Kelvin Gen said the same thing. This is not safety two at the expense of safety one. This is safety one as a natural natural, um, upgrade from safety one. Safety one gets us to here. And when this stops working or we're no longer improving, we move on to the next iteration. No one seems to be shooting down psychological safety, do they? But yet that is the next iteration of safety. But no one's message, well as far as I'm aware, no one's putting videos and posts on absolutely slagging Amy Edmondson off. But we do that with all the researchers on the safety two side. And vice versa, the people that are operating in the safety, uh, sorry, the psychological safety space are not writing blog posts and LinkedIn posts and so on, absolutely lambasting the, the the safety one community or or the psychological safety one community so to speak 
you know, and I just, I've just, to be honest, I've thrown myself deep into these arguments through this mini-series to give myself some context to this mini-series to, to kind of understand what's going on so that I can try and communicate that over to you in these podcasts and try and help you in the same way I'm trying to help myself and to work out where I go next. You know, I'm, I'm doing this selfishly just as much for myself to try and learn in my day job as to what I do. How do I take our safety to the next step in my day job and, and in my future jobs and my future career? Where do I go from here? Be able to acknowledge where we are as a company and what we need to do next. That's the aim of this is for me to learn and for you to learn from this. It's not to sit here and slag off one side or the other. The aim is for us to be able to work out what you need and where you can go from there. And Teresa is absolutely spot on that the arguments and the debates are demanding too much attention. They are demanding too much time. And frankly, the people that we're trying to do this for, the workers, the managers, the leaders, they don't give a shite about what we call it or who wrote it or, or this or that. They just want to know it works for them and do it and adjust and pivot as we grow, which is inherently what we do in a business. So for me, I think if you want to know what to do next, it's just get off your bum, go on the shop floor, ask the workers about their work. How are you doing? What's the jobs today? What does that mean? Why is that different from yesterday's job? Is this job different from that job? What are your challenges today? Is there anything I can do to help you? Just talk about their work. Not from a safety point of view, just their work. Just understand their work. And once you finish there, go and find some of the managers and do the same thing with them. And then go find some of the leaders and do the same thing. So find out what these people are dealing with, what their challenges are, their priorities are, what they're struggling with. And then try and work out yourself if you can help that is how you do safety not safety one not safety two safety that's how you do it if you want to know what to do next for hop for safety one for heavy bear safety for safety two for whatever you want to call this that is it involve people more understand their work talk 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 so Teresa does safety too stuff she she gets a client rings them up and they say we want you to do safety too we want you to do hop so she, she let's call it hop for through the example because that's what that's the kind of space she operates so someone rings her up and says oh, i heard todd talk and uh, and i want hop in my business yeah you know, and she goes in and she makes sure they're compliant first she does the safety one stuff first she goes in and says, have you got this stuff or does she do that with maybe through a little bit of a safety two lens, a little bit of a hot lens? Obviously, obviously. And I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, I think some of the main things we get out of safety two is workers done and workers imagined, you know, in more involvement and a bit of psychological safety. For me, it's not that much different. People are not the problem. People are the solution. You know, it's a, it's a little bit, a few, few changes here. Psychological safety. We're not blaming people. Workers imagined, work is done. And then, did I say anything else? And then whatever else I imagined. It's just a handful of things that are different. It's a, and that's why I think people struggle with that. How do we do this stuff? Because it's so 
it's such slight changes, but then in, in a way, it's might change with huge impacts. If I'm kind of making sense, I understand I'm waffling on here. So she gets a phone call, Teresa gets a phone call, and 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 she goes right. Are you compliant? That's her first priority. Are you compliant with the legislation? So is that not proof that this is not safety two at the expense of safety one? They're not throwing the baby out with a bathwater. How much more proof do you need, people? Really? That it's not about going in and just destroying all your procedures and never doing a risk assessment again. It's doing what works for you, but making sure you're still compliant. Apologies if you can hear my wife singing downstairs. So, I just, I mean, a couple of things here I've got in my notes as well before we kind of tie this up. Teresa doesn't have competition. She has collaborators. I love that. I think there's more, there's, there's some real big organisations in the safety space that could learn a hell of a lot from this lady, from that one-liner. There is no competition, just collaborators. There is enough business out there for all of us. And I think the more we work together, the more we can deliver what we're actually trying to do here, which is stop people dying at work. And the only way we do that is collaborating with each other. Yes, there'll be slight competition, but it's not competition because there's enough of us out there. So we can collaborate, we can work together because frankly, and, and, and I think I talk from a position of experience in this, whilst I don't run a business, I do run a podcast, which, which, which is a form of a business, it's a form of a side hustle. And I am competing with Colin, I am competing with Jay, with, with Sam, with Todd even, I'm, I'm competing with all those people, I'm trying to take some of their audience. Yeah, we're all doing it to each other, there is a form of competition. But inherently within the massive pool of people that listen to safety, listen to safety podcast, sorry, you, th there's some that don't like the way I talk. They don't like the style of my podcast. They don't like long form. They don't like my voice. They don't like how I talk. They don't like the fact I swear, but they, they love Colin's voice or they love Colin's approach or they love the guests that Colin had. You know, it's not competition. Damn, I work with Colin nearly every weekend. It's not competition. He has his podcast, I have my podcast, and we talk to each other, we collaborate, we share guests, we just, we work together. Why? Because there's enough out there for all of us, but also there's a group of people that just want what I do. And that's no different from consultancies, it's no different from professional memberships, it's no different from absolutely anything we're doing in safety. There's enough out there for everyone, and frankly, there is, there is a group out there for you for your business, for your podcast, for your YouTube channel, for your blog, for your membership, for your business consultancy, whatever it is. So I think there's a hell of a lot in the safety space, particularly some of the bigger people in the safety space that could learn a lot from Truda. So I think that'll do. I will tie it up there just short of half an hour. Thank you very much for listening, people. Don't forget to donate to Teresa. Shaved all of her hair off for um, Macmillan. So there'll be the link down here. I have checked it since, because uh, it was a long time ago we chatted with Teresa. I have since checked it. You can still donate. So make sure you do. There'll be a link in this description and the description of last week. So there's more than enough spaces for you to do it. Don't be a tight ass. Just give a pound, one pound, two pound, 50p, whatever it is. You don't have to give uh, forever. You can even hide the amount you, uh, you donate nowadays. So please go and do it. It's a great cause and she's done an amazing job. 
Um, so thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed Treza's com- my conversation with Treza as much as I did. I shall catch you next week in the podcast. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson. Thank <laughs> you.